Welcome back to the Miss the Pod. Before I get to the episode, I just wanted to share a bit with you about Lemis the brand. I created Lemis for personal reasons as I'm a huge candle lover and I started worrying about what I was inhaling with some of the more luxe brands and even some of the just like more, you know, cute little um like artisanal brands. You just never know what's in something until you start doing your research. And so I did, and I started playing around with essential oils and learning more about aromatherapy, and thus began the journey into creating a clean, luxe, sustainable home fragrance brand called La Uh, We launched with four scents, and there are so many more to come. I created this podcast as a way to support the brand, but also to provide you with something beautiful, uplifting, and cozy to listen to while you have your candle lit. So to learn more about the brand, you can head over to www.lamis.com, L-A-M-I-S-C.com. You can also check us out on the Instagram handle, which is um, at La Miss Studio, so L-A-M-I-S-C Studio, and there's so much more to come, but in the meantime, please enjoy the episode. Welcome to La Miss Pod, a podcast featuring creatives, entrepreneurs, and interesting folks doing interesting things. These are real conversations covering topics such as career journey, life challenges and triumphs, romance, self-care, and all the miscellaneous things. Hi, and welcome back to Lemis the Pod. I'm your host, Anna, and today we have my dear friend, Dee Daly, on the podcast. She has been in the beauty business for over 14 years as a makeup artist um, after dominating the Canadian market, including winning P&G's prestigious Makeup Artist of the Year in 2014. Dee relocated to Los Angeles to expand her already impressive list of achievements. Her work can be seen in the pages of Elle, Flair Magazine, People Magazine, Harper's Bazaar, C Magazine, amongst many others. She has also worked on award-winning TV shows such as Dancing with the Stars, Jimmy Kimmel, and The Talk. Dee also has a solid celebrity client base, both in Los Angeles and Toronto, including Lady Antebellum, Drake, Justin Bieber, Tears for Fears, and Catherine Winnick, amongst many others. Dee's approach to beauty makes everyone in her chair feel like the best versions of themselves. And um, as someone who's been lucky enough to sit in her makeup chair, I have to say she's just so talented and she just makes you feel glorious. She's like pretty much the only person I've let touch my face. And her winged eye is like none other. So I have to say she's just the most talented and um so for this episode we sat down with her to talk about her career journey from the very bottom to the very top and learning to make a life outside of work just because she's such a workaholic um we also talked about the importance of spirituality um Dee's a bit of a clairvoyant so 
um, that was a very interesting subject to touch on. And we also talked about the reality of moving from a different country to LA. So, I mean, D is from Toronto. So, um, she spent many, many years working in the industry here and then moved to LA and it was quite a shock, you know, just culturally, but also more specifically now with the political climate that is the U S um, and just talk, we just talked about, um, the reality of living through like the black lives matter movement and what that was, what that experience was like for her. Cause it was quite shocking. Um, and she basically was in the heart of all of that when there were the LA riots recently. So I shouldn't say riots, protests. So, um, yeah, we just talked about that and what a culture shock that was for her. So it's a great episode. She's just such a glorious person that I love so much. And I'm so excited for you to hear her story. So enjoy. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm doing good. So you're currently based in LA. Yes, I am based in LA, just by we West Hollywood. And where yeah. are you originally from? I am from Toronto originally. I grew up in Mississauga. So tell me, like, quickly a bit about just your career journey, so we can know all that jazz. I'm a makeup and hair artist. I have been in the beauty industry since I was. 16, 17 years old, I started working at the makeup counter. It was this Canadian brand called Faces, and it had a kiosk in the middle of the mall. So you started with that, and then you eventually became a freelance makeup artist. So I did. Yeah. yeah. I went to makeup school in Toronto and then decided, okay, like let's just do this. I wasn't going to get into TV and film. I didn't really like the long format. So I decided to go the fashion route and I got it. I was probably like 20 when I like finished makeup school. And then I remember, you know, you get your portfolio and you think that you're the best because you just graduated makeup school and like going to the agencies in Toronto, just not knowing anything and just going, Hey, represent me. (laughs) (laughs) But then what was like your first break? My first break was, so one of my hair teachers, his name was Kenny Lee. He had everybody's phone number. He called me one day and was like, hey, I have this Smirnoff fashion show. Do you want to come and be on the team? And I was like, yes, it was for free. And I was so excited. I thought it had just won the lottery. And I didn't realize like, that's what Kenny did. He would like teach at the schools, take students that he thought was like had potential basically was a scouter and so from there I like he just kept hiring me for these free shows and from there I got to meet other artists that were at the agency that were represented from the agency they got to know me and some of these people were you know they were working artists and one in particular her name was Shannon Shannon Stewart she picked me out and was like, do you want to assist me? And it was like my first paid job as a makeup artist. And she was like, we just need hands on like set. Do you want to help? And I was like, yes. 
And she taught me a lot because you think you know a lot of stuff when you're in school. You just know the practical side of how to apply makeup. You don't know anything about set etiquette and things like that. And Shannon really took me under her wing at the time. You know, Shannon would say, oh, I have this great assistant. And then I just started to assist a lot of people in the agency. And that's kind of how I got my break. I went from getting paid as an assistant to like having the agency being like, hey, there's this free job, but you would be the key. Do you want to do it? And of course you're like, yes, I do. Because you need to start building your own resume. Doing these free jobs as a key really helped me build my portfolio, my reels, my all of these things. to So I'd be able to like become my own artist. Are there any like specific projects or fun stories or fun shoots that you can't ever forget about that are just incredibly memorable to you? <laughs> yeah. Like, so there's a few that, that were like eye openers for me. So one of my first big assisting jobs, I was assisting Shannon and this other hair artist, Andrea Claire, and they were hired as makeup and hair artists for Canadian Idol. They hired me as the swing assistant. And that to me was like, wow, this is for real. Like this is happening. I'm actually assisting on a Canadian TV show that was like so popular at the time. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And that was kind of like, I want something like this for myself. Canadian Idol really taught me a lot about live television. And I didn't realize at the time how beneficial that was going to be down the road for my career. And so... In what capacity? Like, why? I Later on in my career, I was hired as creative director for makeup and hair for this kid's show called The Next Star. We went across the country. We found kids. And they would go to this star school and learn all about the industry. And at the end of the season, we'd have a live show. Having that experience with Canadian Idol really taught me like, oh, okay, like everything has to be planned out. You have to have a strong team because this show is going on whether people are done in makeup and hair or not. Everything is collective as a unit. So, and then when I got hired as the head for the next star, I already had known how live TV worked. So you were um, ready for all that. I was so ready. And I had such an incredible team that helped me that we did this together. And so I was on the next star for five or six seasons. And that... Is that, that like years? Because it would... It yeah, would it would have been... Yet. Yeah. It would, so it was always like a summer filler on YTV. It was like a summer slot. See, this is the thing where I think people don't realize you never know what door awaits you, like say yes to everything. I came on that show as a filler. So they had already shot one season. A friend of mine who I worked with on another TV show, they were like, hey, the makeup artist can't come on this day. Are you available? It's just to touch people up. I was like, sure. So I did it. And it was just one day. And then like a week later, the producer called my agent and was like, hey, we really like Dee. Would she be available for the season? Because the makeup artist that couldn't make it, she's not going to do the show anymore. And so we kind of need a filler and we liked her. It was just 
so meant to be. And then by the second season, they casted the wardrobe stylist, myself. They had a voice coach and a choreographer. And we were all on the show as like, yeah, <laughs> a little the same different. concept where but, you are behind the scenes, but also on camera. Yeah. So that totally. was like a fun change. It was probably the first time that you were exposed to being like on camera. Yeah. And that capacity for sure. And it was, it's probably still to date, my most memorable and cherished job that I've done. So let's fast forward a bit. Shannon, the makeup artist that you used to assist basically moved to LA and you yeah. were started traveling more to see her and work in LA. Yeah. She moved out here. And so she was like, come visit me. And I came and I was like, I'm going to go meet with agencies. I just cold called and tried to like get appointments and, you know, I did have some success. I did have some people who were like, okay, like when you're here, let's meet. And so I met with them. I was, it was probably like 2008 when this happened. And so I came home and I remember telling my agency at the time, this is it. I'm going to move to LA. And, and they were like, you know, yeah, everybody else wants to da, da, da. And, you know, I get where they were coming from. I don't, you know, it is a big dream that everybody says they want to do. Not many people follow through. And for me, it's like, I actually thrive when people are like, mm-hmm, okay, we'll see. And so once I came to LA and I was like, okay, this is it. This I'm going to work really hard and I'm going to get a visa and I'm going to be here. You know, I didn't know how I was going to go about and do it. I just knew I had this dream. Why LA versus New York or elsewhere, like Europe? Like why LA? I wanted LA because my dream has always been to be a celebrity makeup artist. Mm -hmm. From a kid, I always dreamt how great would it be to be the person who creates looks and creates a trend and do all of that in a video uh, on a celebrity. That's why I chose LA versus New York. And at the time when I got my visa, I went to New York looking at apartments and looking at rent. I didn't have enough money to even afford New York. And it was so close to Toronto and so much like Toronto. And I was like, you know what? I want to be by the beach. I want to be in sunshine. And LA is like the epicenter of celebrity. That's why I chose LA versus New York. Okay, so you make the move and like what happened after you made the move? <laughs> <laughs> so what people I think don't realize is to get an O-1 visa, which is what I got, which is an artist visa. It's like saying to the government in America <laughs> that you are the best in your country and you need to come to America to help boost the economy because you're that talented and you're going to make a lot of money. So you finally get this visa and you're like, I'm the best. And then <laughs> you move to LA and guess what? You and 20 other people also have the same visa and are also like trying to hustle and work hard. And so the biggest struggle was coming to LA not knowing any clients, not having an agency represent me just kind of coming with hopes of like succeeding, being like the top in my field to assisting people who would be assistants to my assistants. And I'm like, but, just, but it's a hard pill to swallow at first, but it is. You know, it's, a, it's a bit of an ego blow when you have to go from keying on all these amazing projects and then assisting, you know, it's a little yeah. bit hard and not a lot of people want to do it. 
and you just swallowed that pill and did it. And I mean, there, it wasn't without moments of like a little bit, you know, being upset, but you were able to turn it around really quickly. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I was very fortunate. I had the production company that did the next star had an office in Venice and then they hired me for one of their shows. And so I was very, very lucky in that sense. And and it is, it's a very hard pill to swallow. It, the ego is like, it, it does some, a number on you, you know, because yeah. you think it's one way and it's, and it's, you get here and you're like, oh geez. Okay. I'm starting from not the bottom, but I'm definitely not where I was. And so now you have to like, just redo everything again. But the great news is it's like, you know how you did it the first time. So you're able to kind of be like, okay, let's just do this again. (laughs) Okay. And so I want to talk about, you you moved from Toronto to LA and you're, and then you start to just try to live. Like, I think you realize just knowing you that you were wanting to have more of a life, not just work, work, work. Yeah. And I want to, I want you to speak to that a bit. Like, how have you prioritized having a life when your schedule is so all over the place and you're always traveling and your hours are insane. Like what did you have to shift and change? I just had to find like the things that make me happy. Like in my downtimes, you know, like just light doing what we do is so hard to like have relationships, even friendships, like never mind like a love life. Now I just realized certain things are like non-negotiable. Like I need to work out connected with my friends at least once or twice a week those things like are very important. And then, you know, like I started dating in LA, I dated in Toronto, but you know, I was so busy trying to build a career that, you know, certain things like always go on the back burner and dating was kind of one of them. And so moving to LA, I started like dating and I started to really connect with who I was as a, as a woman, because now I had this time to like, look inside and like see who I was. And so. Okay. And I want to talk a little bit. You're very spiritual. I think you are a bit clairvoyant too. Yeah. So I wanted to know if you could tell me a little bit about your daily spiritual rituals and your beliefs and like a little bit about your clairvoyancy. I, I, I know some people are skeptical of it, but I've seen it with you and I, I believe all that. So can you talk about it? Totally. Yeah. So I am very spiritual. I mean, I grew up as a good Catholic girl. <laughs> and then as I got older, I realized it doesn't necessarily fit into my mold of what God is. I call it God, but I am spiritual. I believe that there's like a higher being than on this plane. And so... I didn't know that I was clairvoyant. I guess deja vus is like the best way to describe it because it was like, oh, I already saw this happening. Sometimes it's like a movie playing in my head or sometimes it's in a dream and then it would happen. I remember being like at the gym in Toronto and I remember like being on this treadmill, seeing my feet and looking up and seeing the Hollywood sign. And one day, I think you took me there to Bronson to go hiking and I looked up and it was exactly what I had seen in like my vision 
but like stuff like that has always happened to me. Like I, and you're, like, you're also really sensitive to energy. Like I remember when we were sitting in my apartment yeah. and you said to me, I, I feel a weird vibe. You weren't the only person to say that yeah. to me about that space. So, yeah, I mean, quite frankly, you know, the apartments and especially the one that like you still live in, I used to live in, that is a very old building, probably from the twenties No, So yeah. who knows what happened in those spaces I the know. of that time, you know? It, it's so true. Yeah. Like picking up on energies is like, it's something that I've always done. I, you know, and now I can realize when the energies aren't mine, I can be like talking. This happened like a few weeks ago. I was with my friend, we're talking and we pass by something and in the middle of conversation, I'm just weeping. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know where this is coming from. And like, luckily now my friends know what's kind of happening. It's yeah. like, not even me. It's like just this overwhelming feeling that comes up and it's like, you can't stop it. Mm-hmm. You just have to let it pass through you. So yeah, it's, um, I'm learning how to, boundaries and now yeah what about just the day-to-day um sort of like calming yourself and what's your like daily rituals how do you unwind I start my day by saging myself a really good friend of mine suggested I start doing that first thing when I wake up so I get up I take my sage I just sage my body. I get rid of any of the energies that do not serve me or that may have bothered me at night. So that's how I start my day. And since doing that, I feel very at peace. It's a, it's a really lovely way to, to begin. Then I t- try to sit in meditation most mornings. Some mornings are a little bit harder. And mm. I have started doing like a cleansing meditation in the morning where it's just like picture myself being covered in white lights and it just going through my entire body from the crown, from my crown chakra and just cleansing me. And then I talk to my angels and guides and ask them to cleanse me of anything that does not serve me. And then I ask for a blanket of protection. So that's usually my morning meditation. And then I go about my day. I try to be very mindful of what I allow into me. Like, so, I mean, it's very hard with the news right now, not to like be glued to my phone and reading everything that's happening. But I try to like limit myself doing that. I try to like read as much as I can about spiritual practices and like my life's purpose and all of this stuff. Oh, in the morning, I've like recently started to do gua sha. I do massages and muscle therapy on just my friends. I just really love doing that. And so then I started, I was like, let me start doing it on my face. Cause like, it's really beneficial. But- do you put like an oil on your <clears throat> face first or? Yeah. Yeah. So I just got these tools from Sephora and it's just like a pack of like three different like gua sha tools. And so I put them in the freezer. So in the morning they're nice and cold. I really love Walita skin food. It's like vegan cruelty free. It's like so good. So I use that as my moisturizer and I just slather that on and then just do like the movements. It's just, you know, like it helps drain your lymph nodes and it just like my skin deep puffs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I have a question about this. So yeah. So you do the gua sha and then 
Do you put sunscreen on after on the Walita? Yes, I have a spray sunscreen. So usually if I'm doing my makeup, I like I love the Kate Somerville. So I usually like would wash my face, do my makeup and then spray this Kate Somerville uh, sunscreen and it doesn't move your makeup and it doesn't feel greasy. I love that. Okay, wait, yeah. so let's talk about some fun things. I want to talk about what you've been doing in terms of health, like exercises that you love. And then I also want to talk about favorite books and shows and all that jazz that you've been doing a lot of these days. So my workout routine, so I started heavy lifting. It changed everything about me. Heavy lifting was what my body needed, what my soul needed. And I had no idea the impact of this kind of like workout. And it changed my body in such a quick rapid like pace. And so I've been doing that since September. Then COVID happened. And so luckily when that happened, the gym was nice enough to give us some equipment to borrow to do the Zoom workouts. For any woman who's like, I don't want to be bulky. I get that. But it's like the quickest way to burn fat is to like lift heavy. Cause like hours after you're done lifting, your body is still burning fat. I have lost so much weight. I have abs. I'm stronger than I've ever been. My body has like drastically changed. And not only that, what has happened on the inside for me is like outweighs any of the vanity that has come along with lifting weights. It's interesting how when you try different things, like your assumption about what the results will be are so different. And I think it just depends on your body type too, you know? Totally. What about TV shows and books that you've read lately? Okay. So right now I am reading, it's called Life's Purpose by this medium called Kim Russo, just about finding your purpose in life. And it's been very enlightening. What else have we been doing? Oh, watching TV. So obviously Netflix, I'm glued to Netflix. I am obsessed with that show by Ryan Murphy called Hollywood, which is based. Yes. It's so good. I love it. It is so good. It is so, so good. I love Ryan Murphy. I love Pose. I love American Horror Story. I loved Glee. This show, it was great. I loved that. I watched the second season of Dead to Me, and it was quite the first four episodes. I was like over it. I stopped, and then someone was like, Oh my God, no, you need to continue. So I started watching it again and completely obsessed. Like it got so good. Mm -hmm. What else? Oh, I watched Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Oh, is it good? (laughs) It was so cute. It was so cute and also sad, but very cute. I feel like this is like how I wish life was. Like, I wish we would all just like break out in like musical numbers, like while I'm walking down. Yeah. Like, it's like Uh, basically this girl like has this power and like all of a sudden she can hear people's inner songs, you know? And then, then so. And it's just, it's really cute. It's like, I, the la- like I just bawled my eyes out in certain episodes. It was just a really good show. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, maybe I'll check that out. Yeah. Wait, can I tell you what I've been watching that I'm obsessed yes. with? Tell okay, me. Okay, so I watched Insecure. Yes. I watched all the seasons because someone who I recently interviewed for the podcast told me about it. And I was like, 
okay, I'll, I'll give it a go. I started, but I'll take it more seriously now. And I finished it in maybe four days, like all of the oh. seasons. Yeah. And I actually have rewatched episodes because I just really? it so much. <gasps> oh, I know. Another friend told me about Insecure. I just don't have HBO. <laughs> I feel like you can stream it or something maybe. I, I yeah. don't know. But honestly, it is so entertaining. Oh my God. I'm going to have to like look at it. Cause you're like the fifth person who like told me about this show. I'm trying to get people to watch it so I can discuss it. The characters with them. That's yeah. the obsessed I am. I like researched all the actors. I like, it shows what a life I have, but like, I really just like, I'm really invested into the, in the, in the future Issa D. Like, I really want to know what happens to this girl. And then a book that I think that you would like that, Again, I, I, I'm learning all these things from the podcast that I've been doing. It was brought up by someone. So I actually purchased The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And it's, you would love it. Every day you read like meditative quote pertaining to that day, like something to think about. And every day of the year has its own paragraph. So it's called 366 Meditations on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living. Oh, nice. I'm going to check that out. Yeah, I think you will love it. Um, I have one last question. Yeah. We're sort of getting back to the new normal. Like you've done some work now and I want to know what was like the first thing that you were looking forward to doing. I really cannot wait to like get dressed up and go for dinner with my friends and flirt with beautiful girls. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited for that. Like, I mean, I am excited to like put on some heels, you know, like do my hair and look super cute and like go out, see my friends and eat. I miss. Do you miss dating in LA? I do. I mean, I've tried to date, but like dating in LA is like awful. It's so hard. I. But you've had some success. No, I've definitely had some success. I've even dated during quarantine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was seeing a girl for about a month, but you know, I don't really have the best track record with dating. (laughs) I feel like nobody has the best track record with dating until like they meet their penguin or their lobster. Like, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I mean, I mean, I definitely have a type that I go after. (laughs) And so I need to change up that type. Um, I've realized every time you date somebody, whether it's like long-term or short-term or date here or like a one-off there, every time you're piecing together things that you want in a partner or things you don't want in this person that is supposed to be your person. And it's like, all of a sudden these puzzle pieces are coming together for me of what I want. I kind of love dating in that sense. It's like, oh, I really love this. Actually, this is what I thought I wanted. And like, this is actually not going to fly in my life. And so mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah. Okay. I love the vibe that we're going with. So I have one more question because I think it needs to be mentioned. And uh-huh. just because of recently you called me while you were running on foot to your apartment during all the major protests for Black Lives Matter. And, and I just wanted to know how you got through that day, what, you know, you were really rattled when we spoke, if you could just speak to that day and like the progress and your opinion on all that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, racism happens everywhere. 
It is so prevalent in the U.S. It is shocking. I am mixed race. My mom is of Chinese descent. My dad is white. I remember like knowing my parents were a different race at a young age and like not understanding it. But in Canada, it's not an issue. No one asks you what your race is. You come to America, it's on everything. Everything, they need to know what your race is. And when you're mixed race, it's like whatever your minority is, is what you are. That is shocking to me. (laughs) And what happened to me the day of the riots? So I, like I said, I'm pretty much in the heart of LA. The Pan Pacific Park is literally two minute walk from my house. And that's where the rally started. So it was a Black Lives Matter rally. A peaceful protest is how it started. It's funny because again, that whole clairvoyancy thing happens. And so you said to me weeks ago, what if there's riots? That's why I'm saying like, no one could foresee this. And you just were really concerned about it. And I thought you were being overly paranoid and overly anxious, but you knew. I knew that the, like it was going to get crazy. Like I said, I get visions and I see things and I can't piece things together because I don't understand them at the time. Yeah. And, you know, like hindsight's twenty twenty. You're like, oh. And so that morning I walked up to my neighborhood to get a coffee. And as I'm walking, I'm getting this feeling shit's going to get go down. And I didn't even know. All I saw were people like had these Black Lives Matter posters. I knew that it was like close. They didn't say anything that it was going to be there. Like in our neighborhood, we didn't get flyers or anything. I come home, the energy started to shift. I could feel like that. And I was getting very anxious, Mm -hmm. like stir crazy. Like I'm in a cage and I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. So I call my friend. She lives like a five minute drive or like a half an hour walk on Santa Monica and Crescent Heights. And it was like, what are you doing? I need to get out of here. There's so many people and I'm feeling very anxious. Something's going to happen. And she's like, D stop it. Like, it's going to be fine, but come over. So I go over there three o'clock. My friend calls me and the helicopters have been circling since like 9 a.m. And now it's getting more and more helicopters and we can hear and we can see them. And my friend calls me, Paul, who lives by me. He's like, babe, are you home? And I was like, no, I like walked to my friend's house. And he's like, cause I can't get home. I don't know what's happening. There's cars on fire. There's police cars on fire and we can't get to the house. Like, please be careful. So, and I'm like, okay. So now I'm like on my phone, on the news, trying to figure out what's happening. And then it was like getting close to like, 4.30. And I'm like, I got to get home. I was like, I got to get home before it gets dark. And so I go, I call my friend Paul and he's like, I got home. Where are you? And I said, I'm on my way. As I'm talking to him, someone throws a smoke bomb literally beside me and it explodes. And I'm like, at this point I'm on the street, just bawling my eyes out. Cause I'm like scared. I, no one knew what was happening. And now the helicopters, the sirens, and now you are hearing explosion after explosion. And I'm just walking closer to where all of this chaos is, trying to get home. And so I finally get close to my street and everybody's on the streets. All you see is smoke everywhere, more and more explosions. And I get to like this Curson in Oakwood, which is one street over from me. And 
like was an explosion like I hadn't seen before. People are running towards me and I'm just trying to get home. I like get to my house and like people are like coughing and crying and pouring milk in their like faces and water in their eyes because everybody just got tear gassed and I get into my apartment and all my windows were open. You know, the grove was on fire. It was just so much chaos. I, I've never been. It's hard to believe. Yeah. And it's like, and I'm watching this live coverage going, oh my God, everything around me is on fire right now. Yeah. Like, and they're being looted and the police, and now they've put in a curfew. You can't leave their house without being arrested. And you're just like, what the hell just happened? And like, people are being shot by rubber bullets. I was a mess. And I still talking about it makes me like upset because it's, how do you treat people like this? It's, it's, it's wild. Like I am so fortunate that I can leave my house and not worry if I'm going to be shot or killed because of the color of my skin, you know, like my friend yeah. and I, we go walking in Beverly Hills and I don't have to worry that someone's going to call the cops on me because I look suspicious walking in Beverly Hills in an affluent white neighborhood. No one is going to look at me and think anything of me. My friend who I go with, she's black and she doesn't have that same confidence, you know, like she yeah. has to worry that she's in Beverly Hills in an affluent neighborhood wearing a hoodie and like, you know, sweatpants because it's cold outside because we go walking at seven in the morning and she might be targeted because she looks suspicious. Meanwhile, I would wear the exact same outfit, but because I am white, I am not being targeted, you know, or I get pulled over for a traffic violation and I'll probably like either get a ticket or a warning. Whereas she doesn't have that same luxury. She has to be careful and like do Cautious. exactly as they say, yeah. you know, like it's it, being black in any country does not mean that you are a target. You know, it's shocking. It's crazy. And there's certain things that I'm like, is this where I want to like stay for the rest yeah. of my life? Like, I don't want to live in a country that doesn't see like people as equals based on their color, the color of their skin. It's like, it's so shocking, you know, mm -hmm. it's crazy. Yeah. And yeah, Canada it has its own racism and things like that. But for the most part, I think it's like not the, how it is in America by any stretch of the word, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's wild. Well, thank you anyways for <laughs> your time and your beautiful energy. Oh, thank you. And, thank you for having me. And I want to know where people can find you, like all your info. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at ddaily1, ddaily1. And you can find me on Facebook at ddaily. And I think that's it. I don't okay, think well, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was so much fun.
Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. All of Dee's information is included in the show notes as well as all the important mentionings. You can find our information also in the show notes. Please rate, review, and share and subscribe. Um, And we will see you next week. Have a good one.